0: Is Andrew Durbin in the room? Oh, okay, perfect. Great. Then I'm welcoming you now to the Poetry Project. Um, before we do anything, let's all welcome Samuel Delaney. It's spectacular to be shoulder-to-shoulder in this room for the celebration of the 20th anniversary of this book, Times Square Red, Times Square Blue, truly. Um, And it's a huge honor for us here at the Poetry Project to be hosting not only Samuel Delaney, but each of these readers, Andrew Durbin, Karen Finley, Precious Okoyomon, and Elroy Redd. At the time of its original publication, Times Square Red, Times Square Blue was presenting important questions about changes of place relative to notions of morality and safety to material realities of profit and real estate development. And of course, neither of these questions nor changes have abated in the decades since. Republication, in some ways feels like a false occasion because the book for so many of us has never been an artifact has always presented both complexity of form and analysis to the constancies of urban change at 20 years though the questions have new valence what has happened to street life to cruising to neighborliness to encounter to Boundaries to contact the nucleus of this work. What is happening inside physical, corporeal, digital experiences of contact right now? How we gather, how we bump into and against, how we navigate accident and attraction is, after all, what makes a place a place. I feel very grateful that we have four readers tonight who have iconically and indelibly written about the evolving vectors of lust, sex, attention, and ultimately kinship which characterize this work. They will be reading selections from Times Square Red, Times Square Blue in addition to their own work. Andrew Durbin is the author of Mature Themes in MacArthur Park and serves as the US editor of Freeze. Karen Finley is the author of eight books, including Shock Treatment and Grabbing Pussy, and her performances have been presented at the Bobino, ICA, Lincoln Center, and the New Museum, in addition to receiving the judicial attention of the Supreme Court. <laughs> Precious Okoyaman is here tonight with her toy po- poodle rainbow, and she is the author of Ahibota and But Did You Die? Elroy Red has shared work through Rec Room, On and Off, and Group Huddle, and the Femme Armor issue of Zine. They will read in that order, and I'll introduce each reader between, and then we will hear from Samuel Delaney, whose work, in addition to Times Square Red, Times Square Blue, includes the Nebula award-winning Babel 17, and the Einstein intersection and many, many other books, as well as the new novella, The Atheist in the Attic. Then following that, we'll have a brief Q and A. Um, before we get started, I just wanna say a few more things. One is to observe the passing, the recent passing of a poet, Michael Ruhmaker, who, for whom I knew this work was especially important. Um, I also wanna thank our co-presenters for this event, New York University Press, which has republished the book, and Times Square Arts, the public art program of the Times Square Alliance, which has presented work from nearly 200 artists to the 312,000 individuals who on a daily basis visit Times Square. And last, I just want to say uh, that we have 42 posters for sale for 42nd Street, designed by Dave Morse. Beautiful posters. Um, they're $10 each, and we're donating the proceeds to the Alley Forney Center. So. I hope that you will uh, generously help us in making that contribution. Um, And now, I'm very pleased to introduce Andrew Durbin.
1: Thank you all. I'm so happy to be here. I don't think this book needs any introduction, and obviously, if you haven't read it, I hope you will buy a copy right away. Um, it's one of those books that I don't remember how I got it, but I got it when I first moved here, and it completely changed my life, and I think it probably changed many lives in this room. Um, so it's a real honor to actually be able to, to read from it tonight. Um, in terms of my own work, I thought I would just read a really short poem, um, and it kind of relates In view of the city's resonant blue, before rippling summer's inadequately romantic mood, he asks, do you really want to fuck? As if. In a cash green Elan, the Brooklyn rich cannot get rid of themselves or their charter schools. For this, do not forgive them. You, on the other hand, are almost never yourself at such instances. Photos of Swiss summers with Spanish celebs caught in the maw of love's dog, hung on the jaw of this fair outside which our hearts doth move, and move you to whomever you seek to be moved to. All things trending toward the topic of my crush, I can't get over it, by which I mean he who catches me unawares in July's cruel whip, by which I mean he who catches me in grim reality's recurring bit, or as Adam Phillips writes in On Frustration, How does anybody ever get any pleasure? And if they do, is it worth it? So I'm gonna read from the first section, Times Square Blue. Um, There's a woman who's referred to in this named Anna, and um, I don't think there's much to be said about her, but this is a moment when um, Delaney is kind of talking about the the role of women in, in this particular part of the city and at this particular moment. Back then in 75 or 76, the Metropolitan and a number of the theaters in the 42nd Street area were being fed a stream of all but amateur work. Appearing in film after film, the main actor was an avuncular guy in his late 30s. His screen persona was friendly enough and soft-spoken. Certainly, he was not ugly, but he was a little dumpy and he was distinctly bald. No one would have looked at him twice on the street. The women in the films were equally ordinary looking and ranged in age from 20 to 40. Myself, I found almost nothing in the films themselves sexually exciting, but the sheer humanity of the figures suddenly blown up larger than life, naked for all to see, yes, had its own interest. The porn actors' ordinary looks that Anna had noted, both the men's and the women's, were going to change over the next three or four years. By the 80s, A whole new stable of actors had taken over the city's pornography screens. They were younger. Many of them now were traditionally prettier. Still, a number of the men, Mark Stevens, Bobby Astor, Jamie Gillis, the young Ron Jeremy, who would fillet himself at least once in each of his 20 or 30 films, were better known for their general oddness than for their looks. Even the one who was to become the best known, John Holmes, Was nobody's Robert Redford. I don't know about that. Um, (laughs) Many of them had a fair amount of filmic charisma such as the always to be mentioned first sexy comic empress of porn uh, Vanessa Del Rio or the wonderfully menacing Jamie Gillis. I want to say that despite Anna's assertion from more than 20 years ago, would you ever go again? No. Why? I was scared to death. I don't see any reason for a woman or women uh, couldn't take any or every role I've already described or will go on to describe for any and every male theater patron. That includes the guy looking, joking with his cousin and his cousin's friends, coming down the stairs, genitals exposed, though it does unmitigated violence to the West traditional concept of women. But I believe it is only by inflicting such violences on the concept that we can prevent actual violence against women's bodies and minds in the political material world Though I shall not return to this topic until the close of the second essay, with Anna I have all but exhausted my first-hand material on women visiting the sex movies, though other men have told me similar tales about taking women friends with them, and however arbitrary, that's what I have decided to restrict the material to for this first piece. I make this statement not to close off the subject, but to open it up. Besides, I'm sorry, besides the fear of the outside that Anna brought within and provisional arguments about women, women in society, women in this society put aside, though the introduction of numbers of women, gay, straight, or bi into such a scene might certainly cause some problems, those problems would nevertheless be just that, social problems to be socially solved. What waits is for enough women to consider such venues as a locus of possible pleasure. I felt that way 20 years ago. Nothing I've heard from the reports in two decades of women's bars and lesbian nights at male leather bars and the reports of men and women from heterosexual sex clubs has made me suspect I am wrong. But this is to take off into a realm of speculation that, at this point, I will table until the end of the next part of this book. I return to an account of what things I actually saw. I never thought of the movie houses, the theaters that showed straight porn and encouraged gay sex in the audience as dangerous, at least not for the regular repeat attendees. Come back six or five in five six times in five weeks, and you recognized a third of the faces you saw, and they recognized you. After another six visits, you had a few passing acquaintances, often among the particularly social queens clustering in their corner of the theater, who now and again, singly or in pairs, would forage out to check the side seats, the balcony, the front rows, and who were quick with their warnings. Honey, watch out for that guy over there. He's up to no good. They've been very there've been three very loud arguments in the balcony in the last 2 hours, baby. I'd stay down here if I were to you. Sweetheart, there's a suspicious man hanging around downstairs in the Johnson's since this afternoon. Frankly, I think he's a narc. In the early years, if you fell asleep in the movies, as was fairly common once you shot your load, especially if you'd brought in a six-pack of beer, a hip flask of wine, or a bottle of vodka, You could wake to find your hip pants pocket slit with a razor, and your change gone, or your wallet empty on the seat beside you. Many times when I saw one of the slash artists sitting in beside a snoozing patron, I'd go into the row behind, reach over, and jog the sleeper's shoulder, till he woke, while the razor man got up, snarled at me, and fled. Once in the Brant Theater on 42nd Street proper, just as I was coming in, a black guy in a gray fisherman style sun hat leapt up from his seat on the aisle, planted himself in front of me and exclaimed, I know who you are. You're the guy who keeps waking everybody up. Who do you think you are? The fucking Lone Ranger? <laughs> then gave me a double fisted punch in the chest. I reeled back three steps, arms flailing, while the man turned and all but ran down the aisle. <clears throat> the only retribution I ever suffered for my good deeds. In the cameo once, I saw the following operation pulled by two black guys in their late 20s, early 30s. The victim was an older white man, maybe 60, in a suit and tie. As a gentleman came down the aisle, sight sight dim from the daylight outside, one of the assailants rose abruptly from his chair, turned, bumped into him roughly, and immediately started an (coughs) argument. Hey, man, why'd you bump into me? Watch where you're going, huh? What were you, born in a barn? Don't you got no manners? You're a fucking rude asshole, you know that? What, you just bump into everybody, don't you? You don't give a fuck? By now, he was pushing the man in the chest, who was apologizing, trying to explain that really it was unintentional, he simply couldn't see, backing him up the aisle. Waiting at the back of the theater, now the accomplice hurried down and just behind the older man, dropped to one knee with his fists on the floor, facing to the side. The first man gave the older a big shove so that he stumbled over the kneeling man to fall back, flailing in the aisle. Then both were on him, kneeling, the kneeling man taking his pants pocket The other quickly going inside his jacket yanking out whatever was there. Then both were up and running with whatever they'd gotten, four hands, four pockets, to push pell-mell after each other out the theater. From the older man's fall to the moment the two barreling figures blotted the sunlight through the briefly opened lobby door was no more than eight seconds Only now did the older man, his jacket and his pants pocket ripped, a cut on his temple from the fall, a slash on his hand from where he'd grabbed at a broken theater chair to stop his fall, at last began to call out, help me, please, help me, I've been robbed. The buzz in the theater when the police arrived made it clear it had happened a few times before. Eventually, the story was that one of these older victims was the wrong lawyer, public prosecutor, or upper administration city civil servant. The theater hired security guards soon after. The police, so the Queens reported, got some special urging to catch this pair and make them an example, and did. But it confirmed for me what I'd already intuited. Porn theaters were not a place to enter wearing good clothes or looking as if you had something. But that was the closest thing to real violence I ever saw, over thousands of visits. And though there was still the odd argument in the balcony, the odd attempt to pickpocket someone down front, by the first years of the 80s, these and the razoring stopped. Was it because, of it, it because AIDS scared away all but the most committed on all fronts? And the movies just seemed generally safer. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Andrew. And now, please welcome Karen Finley.
2: Thank you so much for your work. It's such a privilege to be a writer and to in discourse and that you laid such an incredible foundation for so many people, and I want to thank you. <laughs> I also would like to thank you for giving me comfort, because as a woman who worked in a burlesque strip house, as a young person tr- going through school, when I read your words, I feel comfort, because I felt comfort in, in the spaces that I worked in, and you give validity to my experience, so thank you for that. I will be reading, and I want to thank also Kyle and everyone here at the Poetry project, and that this feels so wonderful to be in this room, room here today with you. In this feeling, I will be reading uh, three excerpts, and then I am reading uh, three pieces of mine that I have applied <laughs> with Kyle, and that he has selected here for me to read of my own work. So, from Red. A, re, a recapitulation. <laughs> Given the mode of capitalism under which we live, life is at its most rewarding, productive, and pleasant when large numbers of people understand, appreciate, and seek out interclass contact and communication conducted in a mode of goodwill. The class was raging constantly and often silently in the comparatively stabilized societies of the developed world perpetually works for the erosion of the social practices through which interclass communication takes place and of the institutions holding those practices stable. So that new institutions must always be conceived and set in place to take over the jobs of those that are battered again and again till they are destroyed. While the establishment and utilization of those institutions always involve social practices, the effects of my primary and secondary thesis are regularly perceived at the level of discourse. Therefore, it is only by constant renovation of the concept of discourse that society can maintain the most conscientious and informed field for both the establishment of such institutions and practices, and by extension, the necessary critique of those institutions and practices. A critique necessary if new institutions of any emphasis are to be established. At this this level, in its largely stabilizing, destabilizing role, superstructure and superstructure at its most oppositional can impinge on infrastructure. So stated, these points appear harmless enough. Over the last decade, However, a notion of safety has arisen, a notion that turns from safe sex once it becomes anything more than making sure your partner uses a condom when you are anally penetrated by males of unknown HIV status, whether you are male or female, to safe neighborhoods, safe cities, and committed, i.e. safe relationships, a notion that currently functions much the way the notion of security and conformity did in the 50s. As in the name of safety, society dismantles the various institutions that promote interclass communication, attempts to critique The way such institutions' functions in the past to promote their happier sides are often seen as best nostalgia for an outmoded past and, at worst, a pernicious glorification of everything dangerous, unsafe sex, neighborhoods filled with undesirables, red, unsafe characters." promiscuity an attack on the family and the stable social structure and dangerous non-committed unsafe relationships that is psychologically dangerous relationships though the danger is rarely specified in any way other than to suggest its failure to conform to the ideal bourgeois marriage such critiques are imperative however if we are ever to establish new institutions that will promote similar ends. An example of non-sexual contact in Times Square. While I was walking around the area this past summer, a young man taking pictures engaged me in conversation, a graduate student at the Columbia School of Journalism. He was there taking pictures and researching a thesis on the current reconstruction of the Times Square area. We chatted for about 10 minutes, then I left. The next day, passing through the square again, again I saw the young man with his camera. Again we said hello. Again we chatted some. This time we exchanged addresses. When I got home, I mailed him an earlier version of this essay as I told him I would, as well as an extra copy I had on policing public sex, which I'd mentioned to him as a useful volume, but which he had not yet read. Since the publishers had sent me two copies, as well as a set of galleys, I was perfectly happy to send one on to him. I do not know if his thesis benefited from either our talk, this essay, or the book. We have not run into one another since, but I certainly hope. A conservative commentator might ask, well, Why are these beneficial non-sexual safe encounters threatened by the severe restriction of sexual unsafe encounters, especially if, as you say, the sexual ones are in the minority? My answer. Desire is just as inseparable from the public contact situation as we have already seen in the fundamental structure of the networking situation. Desire and knowledge, body and mind, are not a fundamental opposition. Rather, they are intricately inebriated and mutually constitutive aspects of political and social life. Situations of desire, as Freud noted in Leonardo da Vinci and Memory of His Childhood, 1910, are the first objects and impillars of intellectual inquiry. Our society has responded to this in many ways, from putting the novel and poetry at the center of our study of the humanities to developing the old Times Square area at the center of the city that has been called the capital of the 20th century. In much the same way, Paris is called the capital of the 19th century. But we might give more thought to the necessary and productive aspect of this imbrication of knowledge and desire as it expresses itself so positively in so many forms of contact. Before, with a wrecking ball and even more sweeping legislation, we render that central structure asexual and safe in the name of family values and corporate giantism. And now I'll be reading three pieces of mine. testimony of the reality that life is unfair and unjust. I had just given my last dollar away when the barefoot young woman approached me for money. She was pregnant, filthy, with sores, all of her body smelly and sick. It was rush hour and hundreds of people walked over by her with their visible screens of protection. I walked by her and it hit me. The despair in our society, our culture, our city, and that despair hit my belly and I cramped into sickness. All the grief of wandering souls just became too much. My shield down, puking with other homeless souls. I am this culture, I am this sickness. I don't wanna leave my house no more. Someone's talking to me again. Someone's talking to me again, but all that's on my mind are the results of my HIV test. Someone's talking to me again, but all I'm thinking about is my friend having his feeding tube removed. Someone's talking to me again, but all I'm thinking about is the family living in the bus stops on Sunset Boulevard. I look at your face. Broken, bleeding, pus eyes out. Sorry, man, money went to baby and dead woman's soul. No kidding. $50 means nothing in this town. I feel like... I like I'm fighting a war. You are. I feel like I'm fighting a war. You are. I feel like I'm fighting a war. You are. I've been poor, but not as poor as you are now. I've been dead, but not as dead as you are now. Take my money. Take my soul. It isn't worth it to live being witness to this suffering. Sometimes I just can't move. Waiting for the dragon to stop breathing its fire. Accepting that maybe that dragon won't ever go away. I feel nothing but impending doom, for I live in a society that has rules for certain standards of behavior. I wish I could live in a society where two people the same sex could openly kiss and show affection to the one. I wish I lived in a society where gays, lesbian, trans could adopt children without the look in your liberal face that says you still believe I'm a pervert. I go into your liberal home, your college town, your vanity fair existence of brie and blush Chablis. But you don't trust me with your children. You don't trust me. I am only an accessory to your surface life, to invite to parties. And I see how you always have paper cups and plates ready for me when I enter your home. And I know the real reason why after I use the restroom, the rest of the family always uses the one upstairs. And, of course, I notice when I spend the night at my sister's, the professor of human resources, when I visit my brother, the doctor, they remove the toothbrushes and shavers from the bathrooms. And you never let my nieces and nephews come visit, not once. But after a few too many drinks, your mask slips more and you say, I know you'll understand, but we don't want our children to be attracted to your influences. What you're saying is you don't want your children growing up to be a queer, a fairy, a dyke, a person with a lisp, a queen, a poofter, a butch, dyke, lesbo. I hate white-protected liberalism and its safe, covered, homophobic, putrid ways. Sometimes I just can't move, waiting for the dragon to stop breathing its fire, accepting that maybe the dragon won't ever go away. I walk through this town but I just see everything as a disease. I see cars as giant carcasses and deserts of lice and misunderstood. I see buildings as sharks sucking in the sky so I suffocate. That's what living is about for me. That's what trying to survive means to me. So don't tell me about your boring heterosexual problems. Your weddings, I'm denied. Your divorces, I'm denied. And showing displays of public affection to the person you love going to the church I'm excommunicated from, and in the next bite of tofu and alfalfa sprouts, (laughs) you talk about your hair color or stain on a diet. Sometimes I pretend those are my problems. Because this week I've had three friends die, and when I told you in my hushed voice for uttering their names was even that painful, your idea of comfort was... It shouldn't hurt you so much. You knew they were going to die. It must get easier to mourn with the more that die. Who's going to take their apartment? Yeah. He's dead. Oh, that's too bad. So many are going, you say, without looking into my eyes. Business as usual, and the show must go on. Our bitter songs to my ears. Yeah, he's dead. There's no one to bury him. Getting a pauper's grave. Dead, 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 dead. No family, no mother, no father, no sister, no brother to accept him as God's creature. Sometimes I just can't move. Waiting for the dragon to stop breathing its fire. Accepting that maybe that dragon won't ever go away. <laughs> Is this so the second piece here, positive attitude, I selected because this piece was actually on Forty Second Street um, at Times Square, where the text would. Wit- is written in the book about the you know the change of 42nd Street. And so part of it was creative time was actually having artists come into the spaces that were about to be demolished. And so I had um, an installation in there, and I had this text. And I changed the sign out of the orange Julius into positive attitude. So it was in 1992, and it was supposed to be the idea of positiveness. And for us there, this is a a, a person with um, with KS Carposi sarcoma, and supposed to be about within the visualization. So this was up at that time when you were with your book. Positive attitude. Gentle, gentleman, wear of bowlers and things of old, things of eras past. You preferred. You made us remember the things in life that made living so special. Dinners of tenderloin and cranberry rind. Desserts of chiffon soufflés and chocolate creams. Holidays of haunted houses, perfumed candles, and tea rooms. Exotic, expensive. My body smelled of jasmine when around you. Tell me about Greece, the ancient and the wise. Tell me about France, the lace, the linen, the grape. Tell me about England, the tweeds, the teas, the customs, the man with the bowler hat. Every occasion made festive by your appearance. Every conversation made civil by your point of view. Gentle, gentle gentlemen, how do I live without you? I visit the festival of lights and I remember how they would light up your lives. Yes, the tree is so lovely. I slurp from soup spoons with handles of rare metals pounded into lion manes and serpent tongues. Yes, the chowder is divine. I plan a trip to a forgotten castle, a place I'll never go, but the dreams make the ugly days pass quicker. I buy gifts that take me so long to buy. The rose to be perfect. The cheese just aged right. Oh, the shopping was so exhausting, but so wonderful. I can't do this anymore. I just can't take your fucking positive attitude. I can't take you looking always on the bright side when your body is covered with speckled spots of disease. And my friend, my friend turns their marked torso over to me and whispers in my ear these words. I tell myself I'm visited by raspberries, strawberries, with names of grandeur, royalty, and impatience, red lipstick flames of kisses, of crimson, of dawn and sunset. I am luscious fabrics of calico from skirts and plaids of Scottish pipers. I'm visited by visions of hearts bleeding, warm and heartfelt, purple and stoic, and martyrdom. I'm a field of wildflower, lilacs, violets, tulips of imperial elegance, heather, lavender, irises. I'm a bouquet for all mankind, I'm a speckled wild cat with a coat of rare beauty. And my last short piece here, but remember we have sex. Let's talk about the delays in traveling. In the delay we find the magic of human nature, the chance encounter. It's in the discomfort we can find the struggle to be hungry. The meaning of life is there somewhere. I found it waking up with a running water garden hose, washing the sand out of my toes and wondering whose keys I had in my hands. Or I found it at an airport bar with strangers and an unplanned layaway. Never saw you again, never knew your name, but it was the best damn time I had in months. Something cold, something salty, something fried with sweat, the empathy comes up for air in the room, everyone's saying strangers cry, laugh in front of you, and tell you their deepest secrets, and there's no social media in these moments, no proof of existence, it's all in here, heart, soul, some crazy belief that we're all connected in this thing called fucking. And somewhere, there's a dictator right in front of you. And the courage will rise, and you'll take to the streets like you did before, and you'll find the will, the passion. And that's why I had you meet me here today. Because remember, we have sex. We have sex on marches, sex on demonstrations, sex is revolution. We have sex not because we wanted to, because we had no other choice. It was hot, sweat, sweet, icky fuck, and afterwards didn't remember your name. It's Woodstock, it's Chicago, it's Grand Park, it's the pier, it's Tompkins Square Park, it's Times Square, for I never asked, and I didn't want to know you too well. And I could give a fuck. Because it isn't about being anonymous, but being able to merge into you and leave myself. Sex was not about good feelings or precious. It was the revolution. And all this damn dying, all this damn dying or a way to get to know you. Because sex was a way out, a way in. Sex was life and death. Sex was health, happiness, and sickness. Sex was abjection. Sex was a political act of rebellion. It was hot, heavy, and yeah. Summer is here, and here's all I want to be, leave and stay. Be tender and remember gentleness, a meltdown in every step. Plan the revolution. Plan that sexual revolution. Maybe I will get to Provincetown and have some oysters. (laughs) Now that's the kind of pussy I like to grab.
0: Thank you, Karen Finley. Welcome, precious Okoyamon.
3: Hi. Um, I just want to say thank you, Chip. You're amazing. Um, I'm going to read in some of my favorite pages from this book just two pages, but I like all of it. But. <laughs> Very at midnight, she shook her head. That boy was so talented. I don't think he had his 29th birthday yet. She shook her head once more, frozen to death in a hallway with a heart attack. I think the drugs must have weakened his system, the period it had AIDS tragedy. You remembered your little hustler friend, Mark, a redheaded hustler, Tony in the black pants and the black leather jacket who specialized in heavy S&M topping. Told me one evening, elbow to elbow with him in the bar and with me at the bar in tricks. two weeks before he died, we all got together and sent him home upstate to Birmingham. He wanted to die at home. So we sent him there and he did And jail houses, cased, blue-eyed, black-haired Paul who came out of the Rikers Island correctional facilities back to the Venus with the worst case of crabs I'd ever seen. And the hulking German John whom I met on the strip when he was 21 with his own movie tales. Once this guy takes me into the cameo and he has me take my sneakers off and sit in the row behind him and put my feet over the seats in front of him. Then he plays with them and kisses them and fondles them and stuff. They were just pretty damn powerful too because I had been sleeping on the streets for almost three weeks by then. And who, 18 years, still writes and phones me now and then from jail in Southern California where he's been serving time for the last six years and scruffy little Sundance McGalkin, Miss Foreign Finger from a motorcycle accident, a regular in the back balcony of the Capri who last phoned me from jail in Toronto. But not all of the tales end in premature death or incarceration. For most, indeed, we never learn an end at all. Maybe 36, Bobby lived in Oliver Sacks land, homeless. He collected cans and frequented the Capri for about three years in the late 80s. Among our dozen encounters in the theater, I took him home with me some three times. Once in the middle of sex, suddenly he insisted that I fuck him like a whore. Bobby didn't know where he was from or what his last name, was and then it was unclear on his first. Bobby was just the one I picked for him, but in a vague, friendly way. He responded pretty much to any name you would address him by. The last time I saw him in 87 or 88, sitting on the island in the middle of Broadway with his green plastic garbage bag of empty beer and soda cans against his knee with, with, without shoes on, wearing a pair of dress pants so tight you couldn't close the zipper bobby like the other soldier of artery avowed with so much sincerity that he had the second and fourth sixth time we met and indeed the three times he had come to my house he had no memory of me whatsoever then there was al a chain smoking six foot 180 pound italian welder from brooklyn in his late 30s with a classic micro penis Three quarters of an inch in diameter, not quite an inch long when erect, and this didn't pop out till I was about 15, 16. All I got was his damn hair when my damned balls finally came down from the sleeves and the collar of his blue work shirt. His arms and neck were a rug rug, his jaw a steel stubborn sheet, and the screens flickered. <coughs> Al's testicles were normal, small, and hairy. Both were there, though they descended. He explained, late in his adolescence, three months apart, you know, they were going to turn me into a girl when I was born. The doctors, but my mom said, no fucking way. Thank God I had some skin, or no one would have known what I was. Al's masturbatory technique was to sit down in the first row, legs out, pants open, and flick the side of his thumb back and forth over his diminutive knob When I first come in here, it was just for the damn movies. I didn't even realize the kind of shit that went in here until I had been coming in for a couple of weeks. I mean, a lot of shit. The guys who would make out here, they got those fucking horse cocks anyway. You you see him sitting around, beating off when you walk in. Hey, did you see that black guy in here yesterday? Sitting over right there, down in the first row. I swear, he shot his load all over the damn screen. Really, he hit the movie screen. Look, it's still up there, see? (laughs) I don't even think people can piss that far, but... (laughs) But don't you know, I got me a a little regular fan club in here, there must be six or seven guys coming in, they just think I'm the hottest thing since sliced bread. About two hours back, I had three of them in here, fighting over me, man, chuckling. I'm going to read two poems. Daydream, the sun is a paper moon, its warmth an effect of its need for some beloved to believe in it, authorize the venue of its beaming. When I was a child, my grandmother would give me enemas in the sunlight, face down, ass up. Slowly, swarms of dandelion spores would migrate, touching the tip of my nose. Please modify my otherworldly sensations. The most evasive sentiment coming to come of this is a critical truth. The dark, the darkness beneath this experience is a treatment. I open up my hole so you can put your fist inside. Little fist in the small rain, I live alone inside of my body. I wanted to need you inside of my glass house. Desire restrains me, hold me in my inner room. Click, slick, lock, sun slick got me soft. Falling, slipping into sky. When you went inside of me, you stopped time. The escape from the body, I reappear shaking. I am okay with subjectivity. You're fucking me and the sky is flickering. To become the void is supernatural. I open up the whole face down ass in the air. It's disassociation season. I'm walking around Harlem, a little stoned and weepy, feeling light blue, maybe a little yellow. This is my problem getting off on colors. It's all boring. I decide to eat some mushrooms, just a couple of caps, trying to organize my mind pattern, shifting around wave to wave spasms of fantasy. Magic lifts my hair. Oh, uh, well, it's just the wind. No, it's just the weed. My aimlessness is agreeable, but I am just a gentle thought floating in the wind, beaming, shamelessly happy. I drift off into a dreaminess. Everything I feel is hot and wet. And I'm at Sam's eating cupcakes in a loop of endless mirrors, naked baby brat stalls holding tiny dicks, cream in my mouth. The light bounces off the soft, pink, making the green world stop. My body is drowning itself in the habit of the dream. Then Rachel is telling me how to deal with trauma in recklessly graceful ways, fluttering realities of dust, destroy memory functions in order to survive. (coughs) My lover is texting me, wondering where I am, hashtag worried. I'm getting tired of my shit. I'm a superficial bitch, hashtag selfish. (laughs) I'm throwing away my wig in Sam's bathroom, first in the urinal, then in the sink. I leave it in the trash. When I was a child, I used to strip down and beat myself with a stick. An excess of desire, traumatized spasms of my fantasy that I'm calling my lover. I'm late, I'm always late. I'm getting tired of my shit. God doesn't strike people down like he used to. Damn, I miss the old God. This poverty is perfect. What I love now is barely there. Then Patricia is next to me on the couch talking me down from my trip. Reduce the living body. Then Taylor and I are snorting coke off the toilet at Basa. Everything I like is 99% wrong. Everything I am is 99% wrong. Then Ryder is playing 3-6 Mafia and he's wondering who can really say nigga. Nobody, not with all of this weight. Then my lover is calling me. Then my lover is worried. Then my phone is dead. The sensation of constantly being unsettled. I'm only trying to feel good. Hashtag only good vibes. Hashtag blessed. Hashtag sage. Then I'm drinking a shitty martini with Ben, I miss my wig, my whole life, a summer's day. Gin martinis, no cherries, no ice, no problems. Then Rin is buying me a whiskey. Then Ariel is giving me their book, and I'm blushing. Then I'm feeling lustful, and I'm in bed with Hannah, legs tangled, bodies without origins. I awake, horrified at the choices I have made, LOL. (laughs) Forgive me, Father, for I have sinned. It has been two weeks since my um, last confession. I lied in my last confession. I have dishonored my mother and father. Um, I have hurt the people I care about. Then Taylor is rolling us a spliff, that I'm high, I'm always stoned, extremes of pleasure in this void of endless animation, I don't know how to drop repetitions, dismember body, I find myself repeating, I am not myself today, I'm mixing up my identities, I revolt, I am no longer a body, ego leaks onto the street, shed light on humiliation, that I am lost, And my mom is lending me money. I am no good at taking care of myself. (laughs) Temptation, a new poison, blur, the lines of intoxication. I'm no good at feeling bad. Oh, God, have mercy on me, your daughter, a sinner. If you touch it, it's yours. These are the bonds. One thing next to another doesn't mean they touch. An unseen shape rotating and twisting, touching something lightly, display dramatic expression. Then Sam is reminding me cuteness is its own violence. Colors that evolve. My goodness is insulting. I don't know what life is and I want everyone to drown in my teenage dream Then I'm at the reading and Darcy is asking me if I'm okay. Molly's handing me a coffee black. Ben is giving me reassuring looks. I feel like my body will give out if I don't smoke a joint by the time I see your face. I am the only Jesus in the room. We're fighting and you're walking away from me. B- broken black bodies are really in right now. It's a bummer, nobody gets crucified anymore. I mean, I'm trying. I really want to care about art, but I only care about people. Then Rachel is giving me a K-Pin to stop the spasms. They fall in the Uber. I lower myself to the ground, brush brush the pills in my hand and get high. Life is hard, and I'm sorry. I'm sobbing. I can't remember why now. Being a person is hard and stupid, and I suffer from that. Everything is embarrassing. Ugh. This is getting out of hand. I can't say no, so don't ask me. Fleshy animal, nothing is pure. Invert yourself. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Our next reader is Elroy Red.:
4: Hi.: I am. Um, Forgot to print everything out, sorry. What has happened to Times Square has already made my life personally somewhat more lonely and isolated. I've talked with a dozen men whose sexual outlets, like many of mine, were centered on that neighborhood. It is the same for them. We need contact. In these notes, I've tried to go over some of the material and economic forces that work on 42nd Street and in general to suppress contact in the name of giving people what they want. I hope I've made it clear the erosion of contact on 42nd Street is only an instance of a larger trend in which sex is involved in some places and in others not. The desire and or the fear of desire Works through them all. And if I may add to everyone's words, and thank you, Samuel. Uh, this is kind of like a mixtape for me, these are just some works that have come up. It all started with a pug, uh, if you think of Lonaz X in Old Country Road. Watch black feminine TV, Lonaz X jokes, sadness, yokes our breasts, desires, heaving chess, nigga thinks he's playing chess, jest in a thirst, trap, world, in country, blessed by Billy Ray, what's Hannah Montana gonna say? Choose your own adventure. Thank you for laughing. Like, yeah, like we're all here together. It's kind of funny. So he like started out making all of these like choose your own adventure memes through Twitter, and people would go and select them through Twitter. And I only found that out through Black Femininity TV. So that's how this poem choose your own adventure. Sometimes I forget I am a person, I tell Juan ton this, I could be a rock or I could be the rock, I mean, I feel sometimes so earthly, sometimes I cannot tell my, cannot tell the difference of my body and everything, even my brother who looks like the rock, (laughs) do you get what I am saying? Heal the trauma of hard R's. We butter cup and bowls into baskets. Rue holds the aid. AK is surprised, laughs till she cries, till she howls. A scorpion stings sweet. What's on your back? These are the questions I ask myself, and I'm asking you. Magic in every spark. <laughs> 99 shots on Fred Hampton's flat. Listen to mama shout, all niggas want you on your back. I got 99 problems, but I ain't got no bad. American pastime, international brattitude. White teeth screaming and swinging. Can't sit through my attitude. Whoops, I mean Platts Said this meant dad. I keep thinking about why so often we are asked to choose one identity over another. Why he's going ape, going animalistic. His voice is in my ears, feels the park and the trees. See, his business is my business. His business is miasma, skirt. His business is my asthma. Skirt up on niggas, skirt down. My business is your asthma. You acting like we already more than friends. Try me, nigga. Catch these hands. Big man, real tough. But you're dicking me after I say no, enough is enough. Zee tell me zee want moonlight. I know how. I get it. Take them to the water. We got our pussies in it. Fin de cleanse away, demon. Amen. My niggas, we worship in feminine, strength in melanin, goddess is a moon. Tender in the water, we don't gotta holler, my presence is fire. And yes, the situation is dire. And so when I see you in the street, I will inspire you to die in public. Expounding etymologies, a faggot is a fire. And lastly, she realized that whiteness does truly separate. An oil spill on the world's water, and no one is immune. Everyone is nuanced, multivaliant, IRL, hero, sex, God, his confidence in you, dick joke, Multiple meanings. Recounts the story of a man helping, helping a man put on his shirt at the gym. Won't tell the guy his name. Surveillance state. Fear is the kind killer. What would happen if men let themselves be vulnerable with each other? Men be mended. She casts a spell. Hood witch. She sees in him room to grow. We are spacious, motherfuckers. Show it off, the house of ourself. Look inside me, you right there. Motherfucker, that is to say, we share our presence with the people who give us life. Dead, help kill off the blight we grow inside ourselves. RIP, patriarchy, your time has come. Decolonialize ourselves. Black love, black life, black light. You are putting on your coat and you see the beauty of this room. Black shouts of joy, fingers first, then fists. I love that fistings have been in so many poems. (laughs) Black shouts of joy, fingers first, then fists. Black hands in the air, we stretch out, up and down. Their bodies moving, poppy juice. She, smiling in her sweatshirt. I can't breathe. Eric's here. Hello. Thank you for being with me. We bike through the shadow of trees. Dance through the valley of shadows of life, a natural perspective, a feminist point of view, shh, they sleeping, shooting us to live, live, live. Nina knows, Kanye knows, but doesn't listen, and we blow them up, gas them up, talk a big game about the environment, but how are people not talking about Donnie Trump, Little hands trying to silence NASA, and Twitter becomes a revolutionary act because communication is key to the civilization inside of us? Words form beliefs, hold our faith for us. Silence gives explanation, affirming our beliefs. Post, atoms, quarks, hold-ons. we are holding on. You meet, scissor, uh, IRL, bond, take a pick, never show no one, nothing. Individual magic. American, we come in peace, we come with power. We talk about it. He offers me trees. You walk out the door. She, the bouncer who greeted you in the beginning of the night, see his brr. AIDS isn't over. Laughing with friends. Wish him love. He catches you gentle. Come on, guys. That's gay, dude. So light in his touch reaches out for you first. Hugs you good. Night. Be safe, black, man on trans love. We, so Greek, we platonic. We, Athene, tame the wild horses of each other, of ourselves. We are each other's healers. Thank you.
0: Thank you again to all of the readers for your selections and your work and correspondence. And please join me now in welcoming to the podium Samuel Delaney.
5: Thank you all. Very, very much. I'm going to take care of one small real life problem before I read. My partner and I are both of the age where we have to take pills at a certain time. I took mine, but he hadn't taken his yet. Now he can. Okay. Um, Just a a couple of facts about the book that um, you have all been so kind to come here to uh, celebrate its (laughs) 20th birthday. Um, There are now two covers on it, uh, there is this the new one and this is the old one. I confess I have a certain fondness for the old one. Uh, the cover original cover picture was selected because when you came out of the Port Authority bus terminal, that's what you used to see when the book was written. Uh, that building is no longer there. it's been torn down. Uh, uh, you know everything changes. Uh, and uh, this is one of the things that changed. Uh, What's on the cover now is a sort of generalized picture from uh, Broadway. It has nothing to do with anything in the book, particularly. (laughs) But, (laughs) what the (laughs) heck. The title is the same, and I like the colors more. (laughs) So, you win a few, you lose a few. (laughs) The primary thesis underlying my several arguments here is that Given the mode of capitalism under which we live, life is at its most rewarding, productive, and pleasant when large numbers of people understand, appreciate, and seek out interclass contact and communication conducted in a mode of goodwill. My secondary thesis is, however, that the class war raging constantly and often silently in the comparatively stabilized societies of the developed world, though it is as ta- at, though it is at times as hard to detect as Freud's unconscious or the structure of discourse, perpetually works for the erosion of the social practices through which interclass communication takes place and of the institution institutions holding those practices stable so that the new institu- so that new institutions must always be conceived and set in place to take over the jobs of those that are battered again and again until they are destroyed my tertiary thesis to which now and again we shall return, is that while the establishment and utilization of those institutions always involve specific social practices, the effects of my primary and secondary thesis are regularly perceived at the level of discourse. Therefore, it is only by a constant renovation of the concept of discourse that society can maintain the most conscientious and informed field for both the establishment of such institutions and practices and, by extension, the necessary critique of those institutions and practices, a critique necessary if new institutions of any efficacy are to develop. At this level, It is largely stabilizing at this level in its largely stabilizing, destabilizing role. Superstructure uh, and superstructure at its most oppositional can impinge on infrastructure. Um, Karen, thank you for reading it once and thank you all for listening to it a second time. (laughs) One day... In the Variety Photo Plays balcony, I noticed a good-looking Spanish guy in his early 20s, possibly even his late teens, sitting in the forward seats to the left. At least eight months of rooftop weightlifting had filled out his orange T-shirt's shoulders. He'd opened his khaki pants and was masturbating. As I watched, an older guy moved into the seat beside him, leaned close and whispered. Pausing the length of two or three strokes, the younger guy said something back. The older rose and moved away while the kid went back to what he was doing. Over the next 20 minutes, two more men sat next to him. To each, he said something. Again, each left one to sit two seats away the other to wander off into the theater's black. Pretty soon, no one was joining him anymore. The young man went on, energetically pumping at himself, a seat free on either side. Later, in the lounge, what the longer term customers called the space behind a small wall backing the balcony's last row under a filthy skylight, I overheard two men one black, one white. That straight kid over there, beating off, he's gorgeous. Why isn't anybody doing him? Oh, he tells everybody who sits beside him he wants to do it himself. He says you can watch, but he wants you to sit at least a seat away. Oh, I see. Well, I just don't know if my heart could stand that. I'll go downstairs and let him do his thing. One or the other chuckled in the theater's shadow. A while later, walking along the horizontal aisle between the balcony's front and back seats, I glanced at the young guy, two rows below and a few seats to the side, when suddenly he put back his head, head, black hair glimmering in the screen's light in in rhythm with his fist, he blinked twice, closed his eyes, clamped his teeth, and, as his lips pulled apart, in two large gouts and a smaller, from his speeding grip, his fluids arched into the black between his khaki knees, wide against two different seat backs. Jerkily, his fist sh- slowed, and he growled after moments breathing hard he sat up to grin <sighs> hey that was a pretty good one wasn't it <laughs> left and right from 3 and 4 seats away half a dozen men looked at him and grinned back <laughs> as a 40 year old asian man somewhat heavy in a suit and j- suit jacket and sitting a row behind him, caught his breath, and only a bit less spectacularly came. The young man looked up and, still grinning, saw me. Not bad. Hey, (laughs) you're watching me too? I nodded. I'm getting off on her up there, he pointed at the screen, and you guys are all getting off on me. That's funny, huh? (laughs) The guy there, his hand swung to point to the Asian. He always comes the same time I do. Don't you? Don't you? Come on, don't you? He looked back at me. He always does that every time. I shoot, he shoots. Ain't that a trip? <laughs> Looking over, he laughed. Smiling somewhat sheepishly, the Asian glanced up at me. That's really funny, huh? The guy went on vol- volubly. I don't mind, though. It's nothing. He turned back to the screen, made two fists, stretched his arms wide, and yawned. Well, I'm going to get off a couple more times. He glanced at his watch. Damn, I've been here since this place opened. Then I'm going home. I wandered away. But ten minutes later, when I walked back by again, I looked down over the rail to see him once more industriously at work. Some of the guys around him had gone. Some new ones had sat down to observe. My own adventures kept me in the orchestra, so that an hour and a half later, thinking of leaving, I wandered into the lobby as I looked away from the ticket taker, arguing on his stool with his two friends, up the stairway to the balcony along the lobby's wall by the movie posters, In his orange t-shirt and khaki slacks, the same young man ambled lackadaisically down. When he was a third of the way, however, he saw, I saw, with some shock, his fly was wide open. His uncut penis, along with both testicles, hung free. The sight of genitals when you don't expect them, in a public place, say, astonishes. The heart pounds, the stomach clutches. This is what makes exposure a violation but it is not the greatest astonishment in the world and acclamation mitigates it. (laughs) For a moment I wondered if indeed it was an oversight and when we are astonished we often laugh which is healthy if the shock signals no danger. Just then, among the three three men at the door, the heavy one in the baseball cap looked up. With a slightly suspended smile, he turned to the others. Hey, uh, that's your cousin up there, and laughed. The guy on the stool looked and suddenly frowned. Hey, what the fuck you doing? Disingenuously, the guy coming down the steps glanced over. What do you mean? Come on, man. Put yourself away now. Huh? The guy persisted, though a smile was trying to fight its way out from behind his nonchalance. Come on now. Put your fucking dick away. You hear me? Glancing down at himself, the guy feigned bemusement. Huh? My cock? Why? What's the matter with it? It's out your damn pants. That's what's wrong with it. Damn it. The ticket taker said, I ain't going to let you in here no more if you don't. Why, I got to put my dick away. The young man came down another step. Everybody in the movie's got his dick out his pants, beaten off, or somebody's sucking him, or something. Look, the guy got off his stool now and gestured. People can see you, man, from outside. Come on now. The kid on the stairs broke out laughing and finally pushed his privates back in his slacks. Zipping up, he came on into the lobby. You're crazy, his older cousin repeated. You do that again, and I won't let you come in here no more. I'm not crazy, the younger, the younger guy said. I'm having fun. That's what everybody does here. You said so. "Well, you don't go in there and do it too sometimes? You told me you did. Not where everybody can see. Why not? That's what everybody else does. The other two were grinning, of course, but past its emotional peak, the conversation slid along its development slope, de- developmental slope into Spanish. Now, uh, the fa- now that the phallic display was again veiled, the kid came over to stand in the door with them while they talked of something else. A week or two later, When I was again in the variety's balcony, again I looked over the rail to see the guy was back in about the same seat. That day, I'd brought in three cans of ginger ale. After drinking one, I decided I was going to leave early. Hey, I called down over the rail while he was sitting, pants open, but for the moment only holding himself in his fist. You want a soda? I'm going to leave soon and I don't want to carry these around with me. He looked up, huh? Oh, yeah, thanks, man. He took the can I held down to him. Still leaning on the rail, I asked, your cousin downstairs decided to let you back in? He frowned, then realized what I must have been talking about. Oh, yeah, he lets me in for nothing. He's a good guy. You like it. Again, he considered, considered, yeah, it's okay. Guys don't crowd you here. I mean, if you ask them to leave you alone, sometimes you gotta tell them, you know, move over. I don't like it when somebody's sitting right next to me, uh, sitting right next to me while I'm beating my meat. I mean, I don't want no blow job or nothing. Some guys here, they like that, but that's just not my thing. You wanna sit around and watch? I don't give a fuck about that. I mean, sure, sometimes guys stare, you know, I don't like that either, you know, staring opening his eyes wide he thrust his head forward in an Im- imitation of an overcurious observer <laughs> <laughs> but but these guys are okay he looked around at the other men a seat a row or three seats away two glanced at him one smiled it's better than those places uptown, you know, where they come around and shine a fucking flashlight on you, scare you to death up there. I mean, you're beaten off and suddenly you got a flashlight in your face. No, it's, this is nice here. These guys in here, they're nice. He gestured with the can I'd given him. Hey, thanks for the soda, man. Turning back around, he opened the tab, drank, sat it, set it on the floor, and among the half dozen in their seats around hi- about him, including, I saw once more, the Asian from last week, fell to his rhythmic work. The above would seem to require that someone point out vigorously, and with differing contents our literature is full of such all-male scenes staunch- similarly structured, that its charm sociability and warmth, if it has any, depend entirely on the absence of the woman, or at least depend on flattening the woman, till she is only an image on a screen, whether of light or memory, reduced to pure sexuality, those are scare quotes, till a magical essence a mystical energy she pervades, grounds, even fuels the entire process from which she is corporeally, intellectually, emotionally, and politically absent. I was describing to a friend, this event, evidently straight man, his openness to the gay men around him, his humorous exhibitionism, when suddenly she said, I want to see some of that. And all the sex you're talking about that goes on, too. And if you want to hear more about it, you have to read the rest of Times Square Blue. (laughs) And if you want to know why, you have to read Times Square Red. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Um, I'm going to propose, Chip, that since it's gotten a bit late, I'm wondering if we might just, if we might just invite folks to ask questions sort of informally. Or, I mean, uh, sure, sure. So let's say three questions. Uh, why don't you speak from there?
5: How has the publishing industry changed in the last 20 years? A whole fucking lot. <laughs> really, it's 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 a it's a three-week seminar, is what you're asking for. And other than saying that, yes, it has changed a great deal, uh, but it's not it's not it's it's too large a question to take on even. You know, even in a little bit here. Um, I now. Uh, this is one of the books that I publish with a university press, which does most of my nonfiction. But it's not my major university press. And indeed, if the people from uh, New York University Press are here, hi, <laughs> <laughs> and thank you for the 20th uh, edition. That's about all I can say. Yeah. Do we have another question? That maybe when when I'm. Okay, there's a, the, the gentleman in the black shirt right there. Uh, I uh, used to work at Times Square once a week for about 16 months. Okay. I uh, started there in Iowa. Yes, I used to play work, in a, work there, too, on a place called Bob's Bargain's Books. It's also no longer there. <laughs> it's sold uh, that kind of book. <laughs> yeah. uh, by the time I started working there, I noticed the redevelopment you were referring to, Times Square, Times, uh, Times Square Red, Tensor Blue, has already been redeveloped. Right, yes, yes, it has.
0: Right, right. The question is: To what extent do you think the redevelopment was hindering the initial, quote-unquote, moralizing family values agenda, initial developments,
5: or was it accelerated by these attachments? Hmm. That's that, that's another I I don't know, <laughs> which I which to be to be perfectly honest that's a very good question, uh, and the reason I know it's a question is because I don't have a quick answer for it. Uh, that's that's something that somebody would have to I think would have to go and, and do some research uh, to 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 find out the answer to that, uh, and maybe you want to make that the next you know your 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 life's work for the next three <laughs> years. <laughs> Okay, yeah, uh huh. Right. Okay, I'm sorry, I'm not doing very well. Uh <laughs> okay, do we have one more and, and I'll and, and uh um I'll I'll give it my best. Yeah. Uh, yes, over over there, yes. What do you think in our current time of like social networking and extreme um police networking is the best the best sites that you still see for oh. Well, contact. Contact is about contact. By definition, is not what happens um, on the internet. You know that's that's it. It, And I think unless you do have the, the unless you do have actual when you from time to time meet real people and say hello. I had a very pleasant dinner earlier in the garden behind the church. Where we had some takeout food and we sat at the same table, and we talked, and uh, and uh, that was lots of fun. That's contact, and it was nice to nice to nice to see all of you, and it and this is con- this is contact of a sort, but a little less, you know. And uh, I think uh, um, being back here at uh, at uh, at the Saint Mar- at Saint Mark's, where I've, I must have been given at least fifteen readings here between, you know, if not more, um, uh, and I've just found out is something that I'd never long known before, and I will tell it to you, there's another bathroom (laughs) that I had not known in all those 15 times I'd been here, and you have to go through the whole church. Etc. And get off to the side and what have you. And that was that was interesting to find out. You don't have to walk up the stairs, but they probably don't want you to know that, uh, because it would. I don't know. Anyway. So I, you know. I, again, it's another. It's a, It's a, There have been lots and lots of changes. Uh, but you know, contact is contact is what, um, you know, is what is what people actually do together when they're within the sound of each other's voices. Yeah, uh, and so I uh, I, again. Can I just thank once more um, everybody, uh, (laughs) um, Karen and um, it's it's precious. And uh, I wish I could. I wish my memory were a little better. Uh, I don't have it all written down. Um, it's red is red is the last name and um, And there was one one other Yes, so oh, there yeah, and A- Andrew okay. Thank you very very much for this evening, and thank you all for coming, okay? All right.
0: And thank you chip, thank you Thank you good night